welcome to another episode of Two Guys, One Topic. I'm Ollie. And I'm a gravelly-voiced Liam. Uh, for those that don't know, or if we've got any new listeners, each week we take a topic that we know very little about, and we give ourselves just a week to read and research all about it. The idea being that we do all the hard work, and then we just share what we feel are the most important pieces of information with our listeners. Exactly. And just for anybody who doesn't know, we are not experts in anything that we talk about. This is just a summary of our findings. Hopefully, by sharing some knowledge with you, we can all learn a little bit more about a whole lot of things. Exactly. So let's get on with this week's episode, which is all about quite a big deal. Something's about to start next week, which is pretty important in the world. And it is the World Cup. Liam, this week's topic is the World Cup, but before we get on to that, you've got a little bit of a poorly voice, haven't you? Nearly, nearly had to cancel this week's episode as I recover from losing. I actually lost my voice earlier in the week, which is very strange. It's very hard to teach, by the way, if you can't talk. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, or hard to do a podcast just, if you can't talk. Yeah, so I've got I got some cold water and some honey. Hopefully I'll get through it. So apologies if I if I cough midway through something or uh, I get so gravelly people can't hear me. I'm like Phoebe from Friends when she has that gravelly voice. <laughs> yeah, people like that, didn't they? Yeah. So this week we're talking about the World Cup. And as you just mentioned there, it's quite apt, the timing of it. We're doing this, you know, deliberately for a reason because the World Cup starts in Qatar in 2022 just a couple of days after this episode comes out. Yeah, it turns out World Cup's quite a big deal, isn't it? Like a massive deal. Oh, enormous. It, yeah, like far more so than the Olympics, for example. And, you know, that. I think we should just really quickly, though, I just want to point out, we're not going to talk about football, are we? This is not a, this is not a podcast about football or the teams or the players or goals or, or anything to do with actual football. No, yeah, that's right. Or soccer for anybody listening in the US. Yeah, this is talking more about the World Cup in general and as a whole. Super interesting topic, though. I would I would say I'm a football fan. Um, I've learned loads of stuff this week. So, yeah, if, if you're interested in football or just interested about the World Cup that's about to start or happening right now, if you're listening to it, then this should be an interesting episode. Given how the World Cup's going to be just about everywhere. You know, you're not going to be able to escape it. We might have people listening who are not football fans. What you want to do is just note down some of the little snippets of information we give you and then just drop them into conversation. <laughs> yeah. You know, like if you're not a football fan, but your boyfriend is, for example, and we say something, just later on, in a couple of weeks, just, just <laughs> drop something that we've said to him and just see what happens. <laughs> yeah, let us know. Let us know how you get on. But let's start. Let's start then. So what even is the World Cup? It's a very large football tournament or soccer tournament for national teams uh, to decide the best team in the world. It happens every four years and takes place in a different country. Yeah, exactly. And I learned a new word this week. So the way that FIFA des- describe it is they said that it occurs quadrennally. Quadrennally? Every four years, basically. Yeah, every four years, like the Olympics. Yes. So every four years and you've got the top 32 teams globally. They compete with each other for the prize of winning the World Cup. And it's um, it's a big old event. The one that we're talking about today is the Men's World Cup. But there is also 
the the Women's World Cup. And the Women's World Cup started in 1991, but we'll be going back a little bit further and we'll be talking about the Men's World Cup. Interestingly, it's it's known as just the World Cup, but it's really officially the FIFA World Cup, isn't it? Yeah, FIFA, the Federazione Internazionale de Football Association. Oh, nice. Rolled off the tongue there. It's the, the International Federation of Association Football. That's right. And they are the governing body. So they are the sports governing body who are then responsible for doing this. The World Cup um, has produced some brilliant stories and, you know, some really famous teams along the way. And I think probably one team that people might call out as being one of the, the top ones globally is Brazil. And they actually hold the record for winning the most yeah. World Cups. They've won five. So they've they've done really, really well. But interestingly, Brazil lost their very first World Cup game, which is against Yugoslavia. And so should we go all the way back and talk about how the World Cup came about and just some of the history about the very first World Cup? Yeah, it essentially came out of the Olympics, didn't it? And we learned about the Olympics and the Olympics being um, and like for amateurs. The problem is around in the 1920s, football started becoming a bit of a big deal and they started becoming more and more professional players. And that, that went against like the ethics of the Olympics. Yes. So in the, in the Olympics in, in 1924 and 1928, Uruguay won the gold medal at football in the Olympics. Yes. But lots of the players were starting to become professional. So they needed to come up with perhaps their own competition. Well, yeah. So they, they decided, hadn't they, the Olympic committee, that there wouldn't be football at the 1932 Olympics. So yeah. the president of FIFA at the time was someone called Jules Rimet, which... Still leaving. We'll come on to come on to what that name means a little bit later, but yeah. So Jules Rimet, he was instrumental in organising the initial tournament in 1930 that was taking place in Uruguay. So they they decided to Uruguay because they were the current gold medalists at the Olympics, but hosting it in Uruguay wasn't an easy thing because a lot of the best teams in the world were based in Europe at that time. But trying to get yourself from Europe to Uruguay in the 1930s, that wasn't an easy deal, was it? Yeah, it was going to end up taking them. You know, if the tournament was going to take two or three weeks, it, they might have been looking at a three-week, uh, a three-month trip. So at the time, although they were professional, you know, there were lots of them who were not, or they weren't earning. You know, they might have had two jobs. Yeah. Um, and taking three months off to, to basically go to Uruguay didn't seem like it was appropriate. Yeah. So lots of the European teams. Just, just didn't go. Italy, Spain, Germany, Holland, they they, they wouldn't go to Uruguay. It's it too far away, essentially. Yeah, absolutely. And so what happened is Uruguay then offered to actually pay for transportation and also pay for accommodation for teams that then did want to come over. And I was reading, which you wouldn't, you wouldn't get this nowadays, but for the very first World Cup, so Romania, France and Belgium, they all travelled together. They all went on the same ship um, as a cost-saving exercise. So they would all get over there at the same time. But yeah, so Uruguay helped pay for it. But there was something interesting about Romania and how they got their team there, wasn't there? Yeah, their king, King Carol, said that he would basically, he would guarantee everybody their jobs if they were to return. But he had to select the team. 
So the king of Romania selected the team, but guaranteed them that they would be fine when they returned. So that's how the Romanian team got there. Yes. Um, yeah, they, so did. they went to they went to Uruguay. Um, there ended up being thirteen teams in the first World Cup, and the first game was played on the thirteenth of July, nineteen thirty. France versus Mexico, and it was a much smaller tournament then compared to what what it is now. And we'll we'll get onto this and just how it's changed over the years. But at that very first World Cup in nineteen thirty, there were only eighteen matches. Whereas nowadays there are 64 matches that takes place. So you can just see yeah. how, how much it's grown by uh, since then. There are a few interesting things about just that very first World Cup. One of them was to do with the USA's physio. Who Did you read this? He ran onto <laughs> the pitch this, to try this... and help someone who was injured and ended up getting stretched off the pitch himself. Yeah, this this could be a takeaway. Couldn't we? could <laughs> save this to me. This could be. This is the funniest story I think I learned all week. Um, yeah. So the U.S. physio, one of the USA players got injured in the semi-final. So the physio runs on. You know, he comes onto the pitch. He's got his bag full of all of his medicines or whatever. Yeah, magic sponge. He fell over or dropped his bag, and his bag had a bottle of chloroform in, which we learned, by the way, in our. Um, Anesthesia. In our anesthesia, I can remember the word. In our anesthesia episode is a powerful anesthetic, right? And it would knock you out. So he dropped his bag with his chloroform in. The chloroform bottle broke. The gases from the chloroform escaped and knocked him out. <laughs> <laughs> so he now run onto the pitch and fallen over and just unconscious on the floor. So he didn't have to get stretched at all. That's crazy, isn't it? Now, I, I, I did actually look into this and try and like verify this as a story that it wasn't just made up, but it's on the actual FIFA website as well. So it seems like it is legit, but yeah, quite funny. I didn't know that chloroform was that potent. I thought you needed to hold it against your face, you know, with a, you know, with a proper towel and stuff, but yeah. Maybe fell into it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Interestingly as well, in the final of the year in 1930, is that they couldn't agree on what ball to be used in the final. And so, but the only ever World Cup final, they had two different balls, didn't they? Yeah, Argentina versus Uruguay. They tossed a coin, didn't they, to decide who? I'm using my ball, you're using your ball, whatever. Argentina <laughs> won. They used their ball in the first half, and Uruguay <laughs> used theirs in the second. <laughs> but it was, uh, yeah, just because they, they were used to different footballs, and so they they weren't comfortable using the other ones. And then the winners of the first. World Cup ended up being Uruguay. Yeah. So the World Cup then happens every four years. Um, It didn't happen during the war. So it didn't happen in 42 or 46. Um, But other than that, it's happened every four years. I've got a few little facts about a few of the World Cups as history goes forward. Do you want me to run through a little timeline and just drop a few little little factoids at you? Yeah, that'd be good. Okay, 1934, the second World Cup. Uruguay did not go to it because they were protesting that the Europeans didn't come to theirs. <laughs> <laughs> so it was being held in Italy and they just said, right, we're not going. Yeah, it's also the only time that the host had to qualify. That's um, interesting. So so if you host the World Cup, and we'll talk about that a bit later, if you host it, you automatically get in. Yeah. Um, so that 1934 is the only time the hosts had to qualify. So FIFA, they always try and have this idea of, about bringing the world together for football. And so 
FIFA at the time didn't agree with the politics that was going on in Italy, which is why they then said to them that you you can't just automatically qualify and you need to get there. Right. So that was the reasoning behind it. Okay, next World Cup, 1938. Uruguay and Argentina boycotted it again, this time because they were under the impression that the World Cup would move between Europe and Latin America every year. Because at the time, they were the only they were the major footballing like areas. Yep. Um, so we had South America and Europe. And they were under the understanding it would just move between the two. But it was in France in 1938. Uruguay and Argentina weren't happy. And they said, right, we're not going again. So they didn't. They were also up to 16 teams at that point. That's when they went up to 16. Um, there's a good story about 1950. So the first World Cup after the war, there's a funny story of India involved, isn't there? So they actually managed to qualify for it in 1950, which was which is pretty good. But unfortunately, FIFA enforced a rule which was a compulsory footwear rule. And it meant that you had to wear football boots. And India wasn't very happy with this because they didn't want to wear, wear boots. And so even though they, they qualified it, they then boycotted it and they weren't going to then play because they didn't want to wear boots. And unfortunately, they haven't qualified since. <laughs> it's funny, isn't it? That? But that's, that's just a funny fact. Um, 54 was the first one that was on TV. That was in Switzerland. Uh, so that was the first time it was on TV. Um, 66, pretty big deal if you're from the UK. Um, yes. But there is an interesting story about 1966 World Cup. Did you read about Africa? No African countries being there? No, they, they didn't turn up at that one, did they? Again, there was there was some protest boycotting going on from Africa, wasn't there? Yeah, they weren't happy about qualifying. They were being asked to play playoffs against teams from um, Australia. And so they said they weren't going to go. But there were, in the 1966 World Cup, there were up to 70, uh, 70 countries trying to qualify at this point. So, you know, it's, it's, it's more and more teams trying to, you know, become part of it. The other thing that happened in 66 was it was the only time that England had won it, which for England fans, they all know that. But the trophy, so the, the trophy at the time, the World Cup trophy, it actually got stolen and was lost in the build-up to the tournament. And there was a dog that found it in a bush. Um, and there's this is little fact trivia-oid for you. It was a little dog called Pickles that found it in a bush. Okay. Nice. Not a lot happened until 1982. The World Cup moves to Spain. It's the first time penalty shootouts are introduced. It's also there were up to 24 teams in the World Cup in 1982. So that's when that happened. Uh, do you want to know the uh, the format, though? They had 24 teams. This sounds properly convoluted. I'm not sure I'd be able to follow this, really. So they had 24 teams. Do you know how they worked out who the winner was? Yeah, go on. So they had six groups of four. So all the teams split into six groups of four. They all play each other. Top two in each group go through. But now you've got 12 teams. So you can't have a knockout because you have 12 teams. So they then put those 12 teams into four groups of three. They now play each other. And then the top in each of those groups becomes the semi-finalists and then the finalists. <laughs> that sounds like hard work, doesn't it? it? sounds really, yeah, really complicated. But it, So we should have said, going back at the beginning, there wasn't even knockout stages, was there? So it was almost like a league system. So you didn't even need to have a knockout stage to then win it. Um, so yeah, so they've that's where they then had a convoluted system. And then where are we up to next then? So USA, 1994, that's when they, they wanted... Um, more offense, you know, like USA sport, American sports, basketball, um, you know, the NHL, American football, high scoring. 
So they were like, if we're going to hold the World Cup, we want this to be high scoring. So they introduced stuff like red cards if you stop a goal scoring opportunity, you're not allowed to pass back three points for a win. They put loads of rules in place that are now commonplace. Yeah. But the point was to try and try and um, promote offense. And there, there was 147 teams tried to qualify for USA 94. Ah, okay. So up to getting on for most of the world at this point. So 98 is where they then introduced the golden goal rule, which mm-hmm. was a way where you could then win a match if you go into extra time and score the winner. Yeah. And also we're up to 32 teams in 1998, which is how it is now. So we're 32 teams in the World Cup, nearly 200 nations trying to qualify, nearly nearly all of them at this point. But yeah, that, and that takes us up to about where we are now. Not a whole lot changed since then. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so that's that's a, a brief a brief rundown of some of the notable things outside of you know proper football matches that have happened. But in in terms of the the format, then so we just said about it there. Weirdly, there are actually about two hundred and eleven teams that are eligible and have entered to qualify for twenty twenty two Qatar. And people listening might think, well, how is that possible when there aren't even 211 different countries? Do you want to try and explain that? Yeah, so FIFA, the Federación Internacionale de Football Association, so they're in charge of football associations. So they, they, they only worry about places that have a football association. So in England, we have the FA, literally the football association. Lots of other places have football associations and they are not nations. FIFA doesn't really care whether you're a nation or not, just that you have a football association. Um, and that's why um, that's why you get places like the Faroe Islands, Bermuda. You know, these aren't countries on their own, but they have their own football association. Yeah. So that's why there's, there's 211, I think, recognised FIFA clubs. But there's like the UN only recognised like 195. Yes. Can- yeah yeah that's right and so we're, we're up to now um as Liam mentioned the the format where we've got 211 teams but then the world cup that's on tv that's the culmination of a of two years of qualifying that's taken place and you've now got the 32 best teams from around the world who'll be then trying to compete for that winning trophy and the way that they then do it is you get teams qualifying from six different regions, from North America, South America, Europe, Africa, Asia, and Oceania. But what they want to do is they want to make sure that they've got the best teams from around the world there. And so they weight the teams. They, they, they weight those regions in different ways. So, for example, they give Europe 13 spots out of those 32. Yeah. And then it works out varies slightly but like asia they'll get four or five africa will get five so the north american caribbean region that will get three or four and then south america get four or five and the reason why i'm saying there's four or five is because the likes of oceana they don't automatically qualify it so they either get zero or one and so what happens is that you sometimes have regions that have a playoff to then get themselves into the World Cup. And that's just because they're not deemed as having the best teams in the world to then get there. Yeah, absolutely. So that's how it's made up. But what then happens when you actually get there, Liam? Like, how is it split up and what does the the tournament then look like? So we're 32 teams. 
Um, they're split into groups of four. So there are eight groups of four. Uh, they all play against each other in a little mini round robin over like the first couple of weeks of the tournament. And then the top two in each group go through. That leaves you with 16 teams. And then they just have a knockout. So those 16 play against each other in pairs. And you end up with eight, just like most other tournaments. Then you end up with eight, four, two, one. Yeah. But it's not going to be 32 forever, though. Um, I think this is going to be the last tournament that's only 32 teams. They're going to expand it again, aren't they? Yes. Yeah, this... There's a, there's some interesting rationale behind it. Yeah, do you want to explain then how this will then work going forward? So yeah, as you say, Qatar 2022 is the last 32 team World Cup, and it's going to go up to is it 48? Yeah. So the next World Cup, the 2026, is going to be in Mexico. It's going to be split between Mexico, USA, and Canada. And they're going to have 48 teams. They haven't actually settled on the de- definitive way they're going to do it, but at the minute it looks like they're going to have 48 teams in groups of three. So there'll be 16 groups of three. Those three teams will play against each other. And then the top two in each group will go through, leaving you with 32 teams. And they're going to have a much bigger knockout. So they're going to have 32 teams in a knockout, then down to 16, down to eight, down to four, down to two, down to one. Um, what it means is there are loads more matches. So you said earlier at the minute there are 64 matches in the whole tournament. In the next World Cup, there's going to be 80 matches. So obviously 80 matches equals more money yeah um but uh, the team that wins the world cup will still play seven games the way it works out so you know fifa can sell that to the to the countries like you know you're not going to play anymore we're not going to tie your players out anymore but we're going to get more games yeah and it's it's not a charity fifa by any stretch of the imagination it is <laughs> there for money isn't it it's, it's making money and it does that because there's a lot of eyes there's a lot of eyes who watch the world cup i think one of the things that I've seen a couple of times this week is in terms of the popularity of it is you get way more eyes watching the World Cup final than you do the Super Bowl, for example. And the Super Bowl is billed as the most electrifying sport and entertainment, isn't it, on, on the night? Um, so yeah. by comparison, the Super Bowl globally got about 140 million people watching in 2021. The last football world cup final got 517 globally so 517 million million. yeah 517 million compared to 140 million so it's it's big deal isn't it and that's why that's why part of the reason that countries even want to host it in the first place because it's seen as quite a big honor and you know a big deal to to be hosting it but it can come with drawbacks yeah, a bit like the Olympics, you know, the countries host it hoping there'll be some sort of long-term gain in like tourism or just popularity or reputation. It made me think actually, but, yeah. you saying that with the Olympics, and you spoke about this on our Olympic episode, you went to the bird's nest in China, didn't you? And you said you didn't really know why you went there, but you saw it on the <laughs> Olympics when, when the Olympics were in Beijing. Yeah, like when you want, you know, if you... If you watch five minutes of the Football World Cup, there'll be one of those little like 30 second, real shiny Instagrammable videos of, of like the city that they're in. Yeah. Because that's what they're trying to do and they're selling it. Um, but it's very expensive to host. Oh, blimey. Well, there's there's, there's a strict strict criteria, isn't there, apparently? And we'll, we'll come on to this um, in a little bit. But there's... There's apparently some minimum requirements that are required for you to then be able to host it in terms of the number of stadiums, hotels, what your transportation systems are like, 
communications, the electrical grid, there's all these things that go into it. And many of the companies need to spend a lot, a lot of money to try and get up to the standards that FIFA require them to. So, I mean, we can go back a long way, but let's just go to 2010. South Africa is estimated they spent about four billion US dollars building all of the stuff they needed yeah. to finish the World Cup. Four billion dollars. Well, that sounds like a lot. But then Brazil, they then went on and spent an estimated 15 billion dollars in World Cup preparations. I see your 15 billion and I match it. Russia spent approximately the same, <laughs> about 14 or 15 billion dollars. And then we enter 2022 with the oil-rich state of Qatar, and they're estimated to have spent, this is a drum roll here that needs to be inserted, $220 billion to host the World Cup. And I've got that right. It's not 20 billion. It's not gone up just a little bit. It's 220 billion. And that was just because they didn't have any of the stadiums or the infrastructure in place. So they built everything from scratch, didn't they? Yeah, which is mental. It's mind-boggling. That's my fact, my quote. Isn't it? Like, so they're supposed to have, for example, they're supposed to have about 12 stadiums, each 40,000-seat stadiums. They, they, they had one that they've sort of had to build bigger, but they've had to build the other stadiums, hotels, training sites. It's unbelievable. So that's a minimum, you say, in 40,000. So it's 40,000 for the group games, isn't it? And then it goes up yeah. to 60,000 for the for the semifinals and quarterfinals. And it's a minimum of 80,000 for the final. So there's some quite you know, specific rules that they've got in here. You need to have at least 150 training grounds. You need to be able to have um, transportation that can cater for 1,450 passengers per hour. Um, from an airport capacity standpoint, you then need to have yeah accommodation. You need to have 72 base camp hotels for the teams and the referees, yep. all of four-star standard or higher. So there's <laughs> it's, there's quite specific for, for what they're asking for, as well as catering for that surge in demand of the influx of people from around the world that will be visiting. But similarly to the to the Olympics, like a lot of this almost gets wasted, doesn't it? There's a lot of white elephant stadiums around, like you're saying, like the bird's nest. Yeah. Qatar, actually, one of their stadiums, I think it's called the 974 Stadium because it's made of 974 shipping containers. Nice. And they're going to take it down. But what they're going to do with all the other ones, I don't know, because, like, they've got such a small football league. Like, they're not going to sell 40,000 tickets every week in all of their stadiums. No, never. I read that in Brazil, right, Brazil built four stadiums in Manaus, Brasilia, Cuiabá, Natal, right? Those places, those cities, don't even have a team in the top three divisions of Brazilian football. So they've got 40,000-seat stadiums just sitting there. One of the stadiums, they cost $300 million to build, and it only hosted four games. That's mad, isn't it? Four games. I suppose the argument might be that it gave jobs and infrastructure and people to be working on during the build-up to it. But yeah, come on. I mean, who knows? That money could have been spent better right, with the long-term projections. Who knows about it? But it's um. But there's a lot of countries wanting to host the World Cup, isn't there? But FIFA have got a funny rule about which continents can host the next World Cup. 
So the rule is once a continent hosts it, the next two World Cups cannot be in that continent. Yes. So 2030, the World Cup in 2030, for example, which they haven't decided where it's going to be, cannot be in the Middle East because Qatar are hosting this one. And it cannot be in North America because America and Mexico and Canada are hosting the next one. Yeah, that's right. So it could well come back to Europe because it wouldn't have been here for a long time. And I think, yeah, the UK and Ireland, they're submitting a joint bid, aren't they? Or they they certainly were going to. Mm-hmm. Um, they're submitting a joint bid. There are The argument being there is that they got the Premier League, they've got the stadiums and infrastructure and everything, they're just ready to go. They could almost do a World Cup overnight. Yeah, Morocco have bid to host. Spain, Portugal and the Ukraine have made a joint bid. That's a funny combination, isn't it? Yeah, not as funny as this one. The, the first inter... I don't know what the word is. Intercontinental? Inter, intercontinental bid, I think. I don't know how you'd say this. But Egypt, Greece and Saudi Arabia are going to bid to host it as well, apparently. Yeah. And again, so those bids will get a lot of points, if you like, from a political standpoint as well. Because coming back to FIFA, wanting to um, try and bring the world together and have harmony is is one of their, their things, apparently, that they say. What they do is um, the, the 211, I think it is, FIFA members will basically vote. They just vote, basically. They all put their bids forward. They get down to the last ones, similar to the Olympics, and they just they just vote on it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's been right. some controversy, hasn't there, around around voting? Just a, a few little quick stats for you about the host nation is that so the host country is won six of the 20 World Cups that's taken place. And the only host nation not to have reached the second round was South Africa in 2010. Um, just talking about hosts as well. So Southeast Asia and Oceania. They haven't ever hosted a tournament yet. So again, okay. from a spreading spreading the game around the world point of view, they they yeah, might look a bit. be in with a shout of getting it. Yeah, but there is some controversy, isn't there? Just we shouldn't should just you know we'd be remiss not to at least mention it. Bit of controversy regarding FIFA, isn't there? And um, bribery for bids and things like that. Yeah, they've they've had a little bit of a murky past, shall we say, and some controversy about how Russia got awarded the last World Cup and how Qatar got awarded the 2022 World Cup, given that Qatar didn't have any infrastructure in place to actually host it. It's happening in a country with extreme heat conditions and they're having to move it from being a summer event to a winter event for the first time just to try and cater for um for that heat um which you're obviously feeling at the moment now being in dubai not a million miles away for you no but but what happened so in may in 2015 there was a uh, allegations and a, a court case around corruption and as you were saying like rigged bids being made so that that whole thing about the, the fifa delegates they obviously get taken to the countries who are bidding and they you know, were getting left watches and prizes and things in their rooms or the hotels they were staying at if they then voted for the country that was hosting them. And there was a big investigation that one went on and it reckoned that there was bribes totaling more than $150 million had taken place over the previous 24 years. And so there, there were a load of people who got charged, not least Sepp Blatter, who was the, the chap who was the president of the FIFA Association, and then also another chap called Michelle Platini 
as well. And they got bans from working in football for a number of years. So yeah, there's definitely some controversy and some controversy about Qatar and them as a nation, if they should be allowed to hold the World Cup, given their views on different yeah. things. Yeah, well, there's a lot of money flowing around, isn't there, with FIFA? That's the thing. Like you said, the World Cup is worth a lot of money to them. It's, the World Cup alone, just this month's worth of football, is worth a, like $2 billion to FIFA. FIFA through broadcasting wow. rights and sponsorship and things like that. Adidas are, are estimated to be paying $100 million to sponsor the event, like through wow. their contract, just a single, this, just the World Cup. I'm not um, sure if we mentioned it. it. They, they sponsored the first football, didn't they? In 1970, yeah. they had the Adidas Telstar Ball, which which yeah, started off Adidas's sponsorship. They did, and what they do is, you know, as they move around the world, they get more sponsors from the region. So, for example, when the World Cup was in South Korea and Japan, Hyundai sponsored it for the first time, and they've sponsored it ever since. Ah, okay. They move around. So, Qatar Airways is sponsoring this one, for example. Um, there's another. There's another new company called Byju, Byju, which is a, an Indian educational tech company i think it's like an app okay. and they're paying 40 million dollars to sponsor it but they've said that their ceo said it saves them a lot of hard work and research looking into what to sponsor just sponsor the world cup wow i've read that this year there are 20 headline sponsors that are are there of you know many of the, the global names that we would all recognize and you might expect but it's it's big big money that's exactly why we were saying it so much so that back in 2021 the Saudi Arabia Football Association was working with FIFA to try and propose that it went from being every four years to every two years so a biannual world cup and they were trying to get some some buy-in and some support for it to happen and even some people like Arsene Wenger they actually came out and said, yeah, let's let's try and make it happen. But it's not as straightforward as just doing it every two years, is it? No, I Googled. That was one of the things I looked at. Why is it every four years? Sort of similar to the Olympics. It just takes so long to set up. It's logistically, like you're saying, Qatar had to make everything from scratch. And if you wanted it to happen every two years, it would be in the same places every two years. Yeah. Because nowhere else would be ready to host it. It yep. would just be like Europe and some other bigger countries in South America. So yeah, so you know it has to be every four years because of that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yes. So what they're all trying to win, what they're all competing for is called the Jules Rimet trophy. So we And it's still gleaming. It's still gleaming. We mentioned that at the start, didn't we? Jules Rimet, if you remember, so he was the FIFA president at the time who started off the very first World Cup, but it's not always been called Jules Rimet, has it? It had a, a different name to begin with. Yeah, it was called Victory. So it's a, it's a um, it featured a like a, a statuette of Nike, the Greek goddess of victory. So the the cup was originally called Victory. Uh, you know, popularly it became called the World Cup or Coupe de Monde. God, you, your uh, French has been good today. Uh, C'est bon. <laughs> um, yeah, and then in 1946, it was renamed the George Romay Trophy, just in honour of him, because, you know, this wouldn't have happened if this guy, George Romay, hadn't pushed to have the World Cup become a thing. Yeah. Um, and then what they've, what we'll do is we'll put on our, our Instagram, we'll just put a difference of the two pictures. And until I saw them, I hadn't really clocked the, the, the difference in the way they look, but it's quite clear the the initial one with that 
Greek goddess victory on it um, compared to how it looks now, which is a globe being held up. Yeah, so there were two trophies, though, because there was a rule that if you won the World Cup three times in a row, you could keep the trophy. So because Brazil won it three times in a row, in 1970, they were given the trophy to keep. So they needed to make this second trophy. Um, but then that trophy has since been stolen. So the original World Cup that Brazil won and then kept actually has gone missing and has never been found. Yes. I think it's probably been melted down, but nobody knows where it is. So it disappeared. They had to make a new one. And the rule is that obviously you can't keep this new one regardless. But they're going to need to make a third one, aren't they? In 42? Yeah, that's exactly what they're going to do. So. So we'll, we'll put up on our Instagram just a picture of the two different trophies so you get an idea of it. And it, it makes sense now. I think I would actually have recognised both of them as being the, the trophy that you win for the World Cup. But that whole, the first one with the Greek goddess Nike holding up, um, being, you know, being aloft, and then the second one being a globe being held up by, by four, it looks like Greek goddesses again, sorry, being held up by two Greek goddesses again. The reason I have to change it is the mount at the bottom is going to run out of space. So they're just not going to be able to fit any more names on it. And so in 2042, they'll need to have a new trophy made for them. Well, we'll, if we're still doing this pod by then, we'll uh, remember to revisit that, shall we? (laughs) Yeah. Looking into it this week, there was so much trivia as well. So many little stats or interesting tidbits along the way to mention. Have you got any? we've We've tried to drop them in. Have we? You've got any, to drop them in a bit today. Have you got any little bits of trivia you might want to share with everybody? FIFA give $440 million in prizes. You know that? That's a lot of money, isn't it? Wow. Winner gets $42 million. Um, Might have been, was it last World Cup? I know Croatia got, did Croatia get to the final? Did they lose the final to Italy? I think they did. And they donated all their money. The runner-up, they got $30 million and they donated it to Shari. Oh, wow. Nice, yeah, good for them. Here's a little fact that might come up in some pub quizzes in the coming weeks. So the very first person to score a goal in the World Cup was for France, and it was Lucien Laurent. Laurent, nice bit of French there. Um, the, the, the most spectators at a sporting event happened in the 1950 World Cup final, where they, the official figure is 173,850. We're in what? the American Art Stadium, 173,000. But it is estimated that it is much closer to 200,000 than that. That is so, absolutely mad. You know, think like Wembley hosts, Wembley Stadium is what, 90,000? Yeah, NFL Stadium is probably about the same, 80,000, 90,000. This is more than double that in one stadium. <laughs> wow. So somebody who is a footballer that people would have heard about is Pele. And he's the only player ever to have won three World Cups. His first one in 1958. And he then holds a load of records as well. So he was only 17 years old when he played in that. He's the youngest goal scorer, youngest player to score a hat-trick and youngest player to appear in the final. So there's some other good little bits of trivia and facts that might be coming Um, up over the coming weeks. Have you got one that stands out above the others though? Like a takeaway, if you will. I do. I do have a takeaway to share with you. And this one, coming back to a saying about how popular it is and about how much money it generates and the reason being because so many people watch it. So hold on to your socks for this one. The 2018 World Cup 
more than half of the world's population tuned in to watch it. So that's over three and a half billion people tuned in to watch the World Cup. Um, So that just a little asterisk there to say that's more than half the world's population over four years old. And it's at least a minute of the World Cup. But again, coming back to the whole sponsorship thing, over half the world's population tuned in to watch the 2018 World Cup. That's unbelievable, isn't it? Like you were saying, like the the Super Bowl is sort of a hundred million, something like that, and this yeah. is three and a half billion. That's so mad. So it makes sense why 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 you'd pay forty million to sponsor it. Yes, yeah, yeah. So go on then. Let everybody know what's your two guys one topic takeaway. So mine is to do with the birth rates in Germany. Okay. <laughs> so obviously they track birth rates. Yeah, this is like not made up. This is like solid fact. So Germany hosted the World Cup in two thousand and six. Nine months later, their birth rate shot up by 10%. Now, okay. that'd be normal, except their normal rise in birth rate is about 0.6 or 0.7%. So 10% is like massively different. <laughs> so obviously, <laughs> a load of Germans were watching the World Cup that was held in Germany. Perhaps they were watching Germany play, whatever. And uh, wow, <laughs> yeah, you know what's happened. <laughs> Interesting. So. Liam, I think that sort of brings us to the end of the most interesting things that we learned about the World Cup this week from like a non-footballing point of view. As we were saying, we weren't really going to be talking about players and games and goals and what have you too much. If somebody were to say to you now, Liam, can you hold a conversation about the World Cup? How do you think you'd get on? Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. You know, um, Uruguay, I like that Uruguay hosted the first one because they were Basically, they hosted it because they were the best team in the world at the time. Uh, they'd won the, the previous two Olympics. Then they boycotted the next two World Cups because they weren't near them. So, <laughs> you know, never, you know, never retained that. Which is funny because they never got to retain their title, right? They, they were the best team in the world. They then never played again, probably. Yes. So, yeah, I guess that's why. Um, yeah, I think that, that'd be my main, the main story, I reckon. I think a, a funny one for me was around Jack Cole managing to knock himself out, the USA physio. Getting yeah. his chloroform, <laughs> ended up getting himself stretched off. I, I found it quite interesting how it's grown, and it it sort of makes sense trying to make it more and more global, more and more inclusive. Um, and then, yeah, as we say, planning on then taking it to forty eight teams for the next one. It's just going to get bigger and bigger, isn't it? With more and more eyes on it. Yeah, good week. That good week. One more thing quickly uh, off off this topic. We mentioned a couple of weeks ago that the word banan was Arabic for finger. Uh, and I was I was questioning whether that was true or not. Well, turns out an Arabic teacher at school has come back to me to tell me the word banan is it's plural. It's an old word for fingertips. So it's not just a ah. single finger, but it's like the plural for your fingertips. So it is that is true. It, bananas are called bananas because of the word banan. I think it's, she said el banan maybe to mean fingertips. Nice. So apparently like that's that. true. That one. Good. Yeah, I like it. That's good. If if anybody's got, listen to the episode. If anybody's got anything else, you know, any other episodes where they can verify or yeah, if they've got any anything where they want to dispute anything that we said, more than happy to to have people let us know. As we say, we're not experts, but we're just trying to find the most useful and interesting information. We hope you've enjoyed this week. We've really enjoyed it. We're looking forward to the World Cup. Um, I'm sure Liam you'll be cheering on England as always. And if you have any... <laughs> I was just going to say, I've got South Korea in our sweepstake. So I'm South Korean this year. <laughs> <laughs> if, 
if you have any questions or you want to get in contact with us, we are at Two Guys One Topic and Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. We'll be back with you next Tuesday. But until then, get out there and share some Coupe de Monde knowledge. <laughs> <laughs>